1: My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love Thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love Thee. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's so good to be with you on this Friday. It is Ask the Exorcist Day. Kevin,
2: are you with me? I am here, Father. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good. Another it, week. It is. It's. It's a good day. It's the feast of uh, Saint Louis, uh, who's the uh, obviously the patron of Saint Louis Cathedral in New Orleans.
1: As well as the whole city of St. Louis. <laughs> that
2: that too, that too, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm here in Louisiana. I guess I'm a little biased into Louisiana. But uh, yes, no, he's,
1: it's, one of, he's one of the few rich people that got to heaven.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, that is proof that, uh, I mean, you can have wealth, the Lord can bless you with wealth, but it does come with responsibility. And those who, you know, treat their wealth with the responsibility that is, you know, that's needed of that, you can get to heaven. It's not necessary. The Lord doesn't want you to be poor. Uh, The Lord wants you to be in heaven. We be in heaven with Him. He
1: used his power, his privilege, and his position to help the the poor and the uh, underprivileged, and also to expand the spread of Christianity. He was very good at teaching the faith. In fact, today in the brief, there's a beautiful letter he wrote to one of his sons about. how they should be living a life of virtue, how they should want to die rather than to commit a mortal sin. I mean, it's it's a really amazing letter.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember the stories that he used to invite you know, the, the poor into his court to, to eat with him, which is it's awesome. It's something that usually never happened in the king's court.
1: No, no, nor, nor does it still today with the, the powerful and privileged. So, anybody on the line?
2: Taylor's got somebody on the line, but I'm going to go to just remind everybody. If you want to speak with Father Dan, give us a call uh, in this half hour. The phone number is 866-333-6279. That's 866-333-6279. The last four digits spell M-A-R-Y. Uh, or you can email us, which we'll read next uh, episode, which will be in two weeks because uh, I believe next week is First Friday. So uh, that email address is exorcist at radiomaria.us. That's exorcist at radiomaria.us. Uh, while we're waiting for Taylor, I am going to pull one out here from the email. It's um, Marcia has an, uh, two questions, basically, about relating to death. She says, uh, well, she asked when a person is near death... What what is the church's uh, position on donating their body to science and donating organs? And of course, the second question, if you want to follow up this one, Father, is what is the church's position on cremation?
1: Okay, the first question I'll take first. So donating your organs to science after death is, uh, is perfectly fine. If you have non-vital organs, like a kidney, you can even donate them before death, you know, in the case of somebody who might need a transplant. But what we want to be careful of is not um, giving your body away and not having it available for the funeral. So when you donate organs, it has to be understood that the organ, once they take the organs, you still need the body back for the funeral. And if, they, uh, if you want to have your body... Uh, incinerated into cremains that's acceptable it's not the preferred way the church wants you to have a funeral but it's acceptable the problem therein lies with uh, what people do with the cremains many times they just put them on the mantle in the living room and they don't uh, give them a proper burial that's not right the rule of thumb is whatever you would do with a body you do with the cremains would you take somebody's body and put it on your mantle in the living room no of course not so we wanna be sure that the, the remains as well as the body would always be buried, uh, preferably in a Catholic cemetery where there would be afforded prayers and masses said for those people in the Catholic cemeteries. But if not, maybe you live very far from a Catholic cemetery, uh, a, re- a regular cemetery is fine. There's a part in the rite of committal of the body to the grave where the the priest blesses that part of the cemetery so there's holy ground uh, in which the person is placed because the person the body has a great dignity you know when god took on human flesh he elevated the body to a place that now sits on a throne in heaven where the trinity dwells i mean imagine that that there is a person with a body on the throne of god in heaven because jesus took human flesh to himself so we always want to treat it with great respect and dignity The same with cremains. Do not take cremains and sprinkle them over the beach or over your loved one's favorite park. That's not how we treat the body. You wouldn't do that with with the body. You wouldn't cut up in pieces and sprinkle it all over the place. So keep that in mind when you're preparing the Catholic funeral.
2: Okay, if you want to give Father Dan a call, ask him a question. The phone number is 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. Or if you want to shoot us an email, it is exorcist at radiomaria.us. We do have one call on the line for you, Father. It's Stacy from Chicago. Stacy, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me?
1: Good morning, Stacy. I can
2: good morning father thank you for the opportunity i have a two-part question that and if i'm taking up too much time please cut me off so i'll be quick um i had heard that some exorcists do play gregorian chant during the exorcism to prevent demons from gaining strength and i was wondering if we play it in our car or while we're like multitasking will it help us keep demons away from harassing us and then my second part is I'd also heard that demons can attach to food, and so um, if we say a simple prayer, the, like, bless us, the Lord prayer, does that protect us from that happening and leading into Halloween's coming up, and if my kids get cursed candy, is that the best way to protect them spiritually to say a quick prayer over it?
1: Mm. Okay, so the first question, the Gregorian chant, very powerful, very powerful, and Yes, when you pray, play it in your homes, it also, it, it's an irritant to demons. They don't like it, and they don't want to be around it. In fact, I had a friend in seminary, um, Thomas Gilbert, who is now a uh, a religious um, Carmelite. He had issues in his bedroom. He was a very holy young man, and he had demons in his room. And so he, put, he took holy oil and, and marked the walls with a big cross on each wall. And as he was getting to the third wall, he heard this enormous noise happening and he saw the oil just be sucked into the wall like supernaturally and it disappear. And so then he had to get a priest to exercise his room. But before the priest would come, he wound up putting on Gregorian chant and noticed that they left the room when he did that. So he played that in his room 24 hours a day, seven days a week until he was ordained and it kept them at bay. So it is a very good and healthy thing to do. As is praise and worship music. They don't like that either. Um, as for blessing food, I tell people to bless anything that goes in your mouth these days, whether it be a vitamin, uh, a Tylenol, anything should be blessed because there's all sorts of, you know, the witches, they're very clever and there's talk of them. They're putting curses on the Halloween candy. They go down the aisles, putting curses on it. Um, you, so you don't know what you're going to get. I would say steer clear of Halloween altogether. It's not a holy day. It's the high- hellish day of the of satan that's his that's his holy day so we don't want to participate it i know that's a downer for a lot of people but rather participate in what it was truly meant to be which was the the hallowed eve of all saints and have your kids dress up as saints and uh, perhaps bake something cookies for them that you know are, are good and wholesome but also bless everything bless all your food
2: Okay, if you want to give Father a call, uh, here's your opportunity. It's 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. Uh, I'm going to grab one from the email here, Father. Uh, it's, uh, if you want to email us, it's exorcist at radiomaria.us. So we have Eric from the email. Uh, he is a newly baptized Catholic. He was baptized in, on each individual this past year, uh, 2022, uh, after a year of RCIA program. Uh, his question is, at his first confession, he was told that only sins after his baptism were to be confessed. Lately, some past sins from his earlier years, pre-baptism, are coming up in his dreams and seemingly wanting to, uh, well, wanting him to confess. Uh, would it be okay to confess these sins, and if so, how do I bring up that this was many years ago? when uh, I was not affiliated with the Catholic Church.
1: Okay, well, what you say is true, that baptism does uh, clean out all sins, original and personal, uh, venial and mortal. So your baptism wipes this slate clean. You have a pure soul, you know, as before uh, the fall would be. Uh, however... It would seem one of two things, either the devil's trying to harass you and rob you of your peace by bringing up the old sins, which very often is the case, or for whatever reason, maybe your conscience is uncomfortable with those sins, which it should be because it would be wiped away. But if it really is bothering you, you can quite simply just say to the priest, you know, lately I've been having some dreams about my old sinful life and I I just want to make sure I've confessed them. And then offer them up, and then it's done. And if it still keeps coming back, then it is the devil trying to rob you of your peace. And please just say, no, I have confessed these. I am baptized. I'm a child of God. You must leave me. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And that's the end of it.
2: Okay. Uh, Again, if you want to give Father a call, 866-333-6279. We do have some lines open. I do have a caller on hold for you, Father. Uh, I've got Abraham from Southern California.
1: Good morning, Abraham. Good morning, Father. It's early for you.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry? It's early for you out there. Um, Yes, it is very early. I've been up since 5 a.m. my time. What can I help you with? So my question is, um, I was reading a book and in this book, it stated that a lay person was arriving at a certain area where upon his arrival he encountered a few lay women praying a rosary around a woman who was manifesting and okay. when he asked one of those women where's the priest that's um, that resides closer, there? they said that he ran away and he later on went to say that there was some sexual accusations with that priest and he was since moved to a different diocese. So my question is, if that issue was true, and that priest was in mortal sin, would he have ran away because he's in mortal sin?
1: Oh, I can't speak to his presence of mind, Um, but I'll tell you some of the truth about the uh, exorcisms and deliverance in general. It's not a sacrament. It's a sacramental. So it relies on the holiness of the one ministering the prayers as well as the one receiving them. Uh, so I, you know perhaps he did perceive that he was not fit to perform any kind of deliverance. But running away is uh, we typically don't run as priests anywhere. So running away to me would imply more of a fear factor. Perhaps he was having a moment of fear or uh, maybe the demon manifested to him in a a personal way. And he was afraid, I don't know, but uh, that's never good when the priest is running away. Although I have heard of it before where, you know, there have been priests who didn't really believe in this sort of supernatural and when they encounter it, it frightens them. And I heard of one back where I grew grew up who did. Uh, run out of a house and uh, decide I'm not going back to do that. Um, and you know, I, part you can't blame the priests. We don't get training in seminary; it's just not trained at all anymore. And so that's why they they kind of push all this work over to the one or two exorcists in a diocese, which really isn't fair either. Because how can one man handle all the demonic problems in a whole diocese? It's 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 outrageous to think that's uh, possible and even probable. The, the the basic deliverance should be taught for all priests to to handle in their own parishes, and then for the highly specific cases of possession and maybe oppression and uh, problems with vexations in homes or curses, the priests could be the exodus could be brought in. But currently, that's not really the way it works. So um, maybe in the future there'll be better training. I don't know. I would hope so. Yeah, I understand. Thank you for your question.
2: Okay, if you want to give Father a call, 866-333-6279. That's 866-333-6279. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, we'll be able to answer it on the next uh, Ask the Exorcist. Uh, that'll be in two weeks, uh, the Friday in two weeks in September football season, Father. Uh, so I've got a question here from the email. It's from Shana. Uh, she has a, uh, a pretty serious situation that is testing her faith. She, uh, her dad, has suffered with alcoholism her, her whole life. So she's 33. Uh, he, her dad is a good, smart, caring, affectionate, and loving father. Um, he knows God. He generally cares for others and, and loves others. Um, she loves him very much. She obviously wants him to to get well, to, to help. You know, he has this compulsion to drink. He's lost his driver's license, his marriage, countless other things because of this compulsion uh, to drink. He's been in prison because of DWI's. Uh, these events obviously shake her faith. You know, she feels like her faith is the size of a mustard seed most times. But she knows that God is real and that he can help. Um, she has asked God countless times to help him with his addiction. And she is she's sure that he prays as well the same prayer. She really wants some, some kind of guidance here. Uh, what should she pray for? How does she pray to, you know, for help? Uh, she really would like her dad at, at some point to be sober uh, and to be happy. She knows he's not he's not happy with his addiction. Um, and, of course, with alcoholism comes health issues. So can you give her some guidance on the things she can pray for or, you know, how to, to ask the Lord to to help her father out?
1: Yes. Okay. So uh, addiction is a disease. We have to recognize that first of all. Uh, But oftentimes it's accompanied by demons. You know, there's uh, demons of addiction, there's demons of uh, desire for these things. There's all sorts of things that fuel addictions. So The Divine Mercy Chaplet is very powerful, for the dead and also for the living. I would pray that every day. The rosary is also very powerful. You can commend your father into the arms of Our Lady and St. Joseph. Um, St. Maximilian Kolbe is the patron of drug addicts as he was uh, executed with a a needle to his arm of, I believe, carbonic acid. Um, Also, St. Mark Ji ching of China also a patron of drug addicts. He was so addicted that he couldn't break free. He was a physician, by the way, in 1834. Uh, He was born, and um, he was administering himself uh, a drug that he got addicted to, and he couldn't get off it. So this poor man prayed his whole... And he was a good man. Sounds just like your father you were talking about. He just had this one issue he couldn't break free from. And so he um, couldn't let go of the opium, So what he started praying was, Lord, I don't want to go to hell over this. Please, if I can't break free from this in life, let me at least die a holy death. And he was in fact, um, rounded up by, um, communists of some sort and executed because he was a Christian. So he died a martyr's death and therefore we know he would be in heaven. I'm not suggesting you pray that for your dad. What I'm suggesting is you can ask St. Mark G. Ching Chang to pray for your father as well. And, uh, there's also a very good book, which if your dad's open to reading, it might be uh, a deal breaker for him, a deal changer. It's called to slake a thirst to slake a thirst. And, uh, it's a very powerful way of overcoming addiction with, with Jesus. And I recommend it to anybody who's suffering
2: with that. Okay. All right. Uh, If you want to give us a call, again, phone lines are open, 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do so as well at exorcist at radiomaria.us. That's exorcist at radiomaria.us. I'm going to pull one from the email. Father, I got Carrie in the email. She is asking about church attire. So. Uh, What are your thoughts, Father, on the casual attire at Mass? Is it okay to wear more casual clothing when attending daily Mass as opposed to Sundays, assuming uh, they are appropriately modest?
1: Well, no. In reality, the Mass is the Mass is the Mass. It's the most holy thing that happens on the planet every day, by far. God comes down to the altar and ministers himself to you to make you holy. So... Just because it's a Wednesday or a Thursday doesn't mean you should be in any less appropriate clothing. Now, I understand if you're going to work and you have to wear your work clothes before you, you, you know, going, then that, that's what you have to do. But most people would dress appropriately for work. I can't imagine a job where you're coming in uh, short shorts and a tank top, you know. So I keep the church a comfortable 65 degrees, which forces people to appropriately cover their bodies particularly the women, and they complain about it. But I say, you know what? You're all dressed appropriately, so praise the Lord. Um, We should be uh, dressing. If you were going to meet the King of England, if you were going to meet the Pope, would you dress up? I would would hope most people would say yes. In fact, with the King of England, there's protocols. You can't even get in the room if you're not dressed appropriately. And at the basilicas in, in Rome, they had uh, Swiss guards that would stand there and measure you up and down and say, you know what? Your clothing is not appropriate. Go back and put something on and come back tomorrow. I mean, that's just the way it is. So Jesus made the King of England. Jesus made the Pope. He is over them. He's far above them. So if we're going to visit Jesus, you should be dressed appropriately and, and give him the due respect that he has so uh, incredibly earned by his, his gift to us on the cross but just for being who he is in his very nature he deserves the ultimate respect
2: okay father i'm going to give you one last question here it's a pretty good one we got a phone call from an anonymous caller who's got a question here um, so keep this number in your back pocket, uh, in two weeks we'll be back with Acts the Exorcist, it's 866-333-6279, uh, we'll be able to take your calls, uh, in the next, in, in two weeks, or if you want to shoot us an email, you can do so at exorcist at us. So, Father, anonymous caller, um, has a grandson who has homosexual tendencies, so they are worried, um they want to know how to pray for him and and how to obviously interact with him without pushing him away. How, 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 how do you teach and be compassionate? Okay. So what we would
1: call this is same sex attraction. I don't like to label people as gay or any of the terms that, uh, the alphabet people use. Um, and this happens from time to time when somebody, uh, usually, from what I've seen through experience, is that it comes out of some kind of a wound. Um, this is what I've noticed in the people that I know who who have this um, attraction. And for men it's, or boys, it's usually f- from the father that they didn't receive something they were supposed to receive or they felt rejected in some way. Sometimes even in the womb, you know, the spirit of a person knows what's happening, uh, even though the, the consciousness of the person doesn't fully comprehend what's going on, but the spirit knows. And so when, you know, sometimes if, if the father w- wants to abort the baby in the womb, um, the child can pick up on that in a sp- in the spirit um, and and realize that the, the father has rejected them. And so they grow up not knowing why they're looking for love in all the wrong places from men because of something that happened. And I'm not saying that's 100% of the time. But it is 100% um, not genetic. It is environment. Because identical twins have been studied and one will be heterosexual and one will be homosexual. Well, that doesn't happen if you're genetically the same. So it has to be through the environment, through uh, a learned reaction so to speak, but it's not, I don't mean learned in the sense that they've, they've sought knowledge about this, just that something has happened. We had a case in uh, Omaha when I was in religious life of a man that was convinced he was a woman. This is way back, we're talking 20 years ago. Um, And the mother said, the mother did not want to acknowledge him that way, but said, listen, if you go on a retreat and uh, an eight day retreat with this religious community and you still feel you're a woman, then I will accept it." So he came, and he. we prayed with him every day, and we took him to prayer with prayer teams praying for him. We were lifting him up, asking the Lord how to pray for him. And it kept coming back to the father, the father, the father. And we didn't know what this meant. So the lead on the prayer team called his mother and said, what are you not telling us about this boy's father, this young man's father? And she started to cry and she got very upset. She said, I didn't want to say anything, but um, he doesn't know. But I got pregnant before I got married and that man left me. And so somebody else wanted to marry me. So they married me, you know, right, very quickly before I had the baby, who was this man. And then they had another child after that, a young, uh, had a little baby daughter. And unconsciously that father favored the daughter because that was his own biological child and the boy picked up on it subconsciously. And so he, in his subconscious thought, if I ever want to be loved by my father, I have to be a girl. And that's what he was telling himself. So we had to go into, um, we had to take authority over lies and deceit and um, sexual confusion. And then we brought him through a meditation of God forming him in the womb and how he made, we took him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. When we got to his genitals, the demon shrieked and said, no, I'm not a boy. And so we cast that demon out. And we went back through the meditation and the boy, the young man received it and left the retreat comfortable in his own skin, that he was in fact a man. And he went on to get married and have kids and live a healthy life. So, um, The long story, short, short end of it is, pray for him to come into the fullness of the truth of who God made him to be. Simple. Fullness of the truth of who God made him to be, out of love for him. That's going to be about it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Dan signing out.